Hello and welcome back to Bridge to OK. I'm your host, Bridget McHugh. I'm very excited to welcome everybody to the new year. Welcome to 2021. Let's hope it's a good one. Let's hope it's at least more bearable than the last one. I last talked about how I just wanted a simple New Year's resolution, similar to my last one, just to have some breaks in between what happens and my reaction to it and give myself some time to breathe deeply, take time to breathe out a long time because I can help with your parasympathetic system response, all of that fun stuff. And I've been thinking about it, and I'm going to go deeper into those New Year's resolutions because I like to have a check-in point. It's really helpful to me to have some sort of structure to the way I view things, and I just think it's really fun. I really like having this kind of structure, so I'm going to introduce some other segments that I'll be doing, including something I'm taking from Whose Line It Anyway? Whose Line Is It Anyway? Instead of scenes from a hat, it'll just be words from a hat, so I'll pick over... I'll pick about two words out of a hat or bowl that I've written down and talk about how I think those connect or what I think about when I think about those two words together. And I think that'll be a fun little segment to do, sort of not to pathologize everything so much also. And also, I want to start having more conversations about how I'm feeling and sort of documenting my life. So that's some of the new ways we'll be approaching the podcast. So I would love for anyone to send me questions, um, comments, concerns, and I would love to read them and talk about them on the podcast. I've noticed that because of the day-to-day life being so mundane or repetitive, often how someone's feeling or how, how I'm feeling isn't based it's almost as if it's not even based on reality in the sense of not on the linear time we're in right now in the linear the specific place in the world that I'm in like here in my room or here in my car I'm just sitting here on my phone like I'm just around what's going on in that sense and then maybe there's some emotional things to deal with and other aspects but what I find myself wanting to talk about, what I find myself emotional about is things that I'm seeing online, things that I'm going through mentally, things that I'm seeing in a movie or reading about in a book or hearing about in music. So it's really interesting to notice that a lot of the things that I want to talk about aren't necessarily things that are happening to me right now. So if I was going to focus on the right now, I'd think about food and how it's raining. It's very basic stuff. It's not. And then if I am doing something more extravagant, like traveling, going to a concert, things that I can't do right now. Um, or if I'm just going to the beach or something. Or planning on buying something online. That's more something that's going to affect my physical world. And But then that's interesting that I am labeling the physical as more real than the mental and emotional in a way when that's not necessarily the case but I do feel more grounded in my body when I'm thinking about the physical and what's here and now so I find that it's good to notice 
And that's what it comes down to being mindful. It's not about judging the fact that you're not in your body right now. It's okay to notice that and you don't have to draw yourself back in. You don't have to force anything. You can just notice that. Sometimes it allows you to fall back in. Sometimes you just notice it and you move on. And I saw this post online that said, social media is real life. Because a lot of times we say the opposite, that social media isn't real life. Stop thinking that what you see is real. It's edited. It's filtered. It's a highlight reel. People aren't showing their worst moments. And all that's valid and true. But there's a flip side of there's a real person behind that screen. And when you say something, it's reaching a person. And what you spend your day scrolling through online, you're spending your day thinking about and living in so in that way it's very real so what i've noticed recently i am looking through youtube videos of like i like looking at like documentaries and things about like the 60s 70s 80s rockumentaries about metal and folk and psychedelic rock and the hippie hippie movement and the punk scene and I just like looking at all that stuff I think it's really cool seeing how grunge emerged and I was just looking at the groupie videos and stuff and it's all very cool to look at and then sometimes I look at the comments and I just noted noticed a pattern where everyone's saying oh it was so much better back then and they'll say this even like some people like will call someone out and be like what are you talking about like like i was under the runaways uh cherry bomb someone was like you could never have a 16 year old in their underwear on tv these days and it's like wait what that's a good thing if that was true and it's not even true as someone pointed out like you could there's definitely teenagers dressed scantily clad all over our feeds and like probably on tv too like (laughs) like and then in another post they'll probably the same kind of people will say like oh it's so much better back then because they were modest you know it's like people are so living just wanting the past to be better and that's fine to be nostalgic but you don't need to paint the present as bad to do that and i find it interesting that none of those comments are saying things like oh i'm so happy that it's not like this anymore like because there's a lot of things that are way better now like as a woman as someone in the lgbt community as someone who cares about like racial minorities in america like i think that you should notice like there are good things that have evolved past the 60s too like people are like oh so much better in 1960 and stuff it's like or 1950 whatever and it's like you mean before the civil rights movement like and I think about, like, when was the year that women were finally able to have their own bank accounts if they weren't married or, like, if it wasn't under their dad's name or something? Like, was that in the 70s? I'm not sure. Um, but I know there's a bunch of things like that where it's, like, Native people weren't recognized in so many ways. Like, history shows us that progress happens, like in a lot of ways that we regress and that sucks but like that's not what they're focusing on and I see their points sometimes but it just seems like I've noticed that people claim to hate 
the idea of someone being offended by something so much so that they are offended by it. They are offended by people being offended. They're literally being snowflakes about someone else being a snowflake. Like, it's like, it makes no sense at this point. Like, if someone makes a joke and someone says, I don't like that joke, I think it's offensive, and everyone starts ragging on them and, like, get angry and saying that they're ruining the country and stuff, it's like, I think you're the one that got triggered, honey. They just said that they didn't like it and they thought it was offensive. Like, they didn't cancel you. They didn't, like, dox you. They didn't give you a death threat. Like, these are those are horrible things that should stop and that happen no matter what. Like, and I was thinking about, you were like, oh, man, you would get canceled for saying this uh, nowadays. It's having to be so politically correct. And it's like, people don't think about how many times it has gone in a different direction where it's like, people got famous for being offensive even today and where people who have done really horrible things are still not canceled and are still selling a lot of um getting a lot of streams or something and then you look at the things that people have gotten like lost record deals for and have lost like other deals for like michael phelps for smoking weed and like um Janet Jackson for having been exposed on TV. It's, like, things that are, like, on the other side of it. You know what I mean? Like, that conservatives don't like. So, I decided to actually do the words in a hat idea. So, I got some words. Um, This time, I'm just going to put all of the words in one spot. But if I need to in the future, I'll separate them by two different categories and pick one from each category. But let's see how it goes. Okay, I got one. And I got the other i got the word depression and the word spectrum i love this because we talk about autism on a spectrum as we should and i think there's a reason why we use that for certain disorders and not others but we come to realize that we're always talking about some sort of spectrum or continuum i also recently saw this post that was enlightening that was talking about how people think of autism spectrum still as like oh there's People who have Asperger's, even though that's not in the DCM-5s anymore. People who have more functionality versus people who have less functionality. And they base it off of things like occupational, usually, or verbal. It's a community discussion that's happening, that's been happening for years about, well, if it's a spectrum, then where do we draw the line? So with depression... Yeah, I've talked to people who say, oh, I've been depressed. And it's like, they were depressed one time. And it's like, I told, that is enough. You were depressed for two weeks. You didn't want to eat. You slept all the time or you couldn't sleep or you couldn't eat or is fluctuating back and forth. And you were feeling really bad about yourself or not really feeling anything at all. You didn't want to do anything that used to make you feel happy. Nothing you did made you feel good or even anything at all. Or you're either you're crying all the time or you couldn't cry. And it, that lasted for two weeks or a few months even. And that is so valid. And I feel for you. But if you're going to use that and weaponize that and say, well, I got through it to someone who's been depressed through their whole freaking life. Like, I just can't even talk to you. Like, just stay away from me. <laughs> it's like, cool. I'm really happy for you that you had one little bout of depression. And then you got over it. And I really feel that that was probably really hard for you. And people can die from that. So, like, I'm not trying to, like, 
belittle that. I'm just saying, if you're trying to use that against someone who not only is going through what you went through, but also with more severity, it just pisses me off. And it's like, it sucks. It's like, I've been in that situation where I'm like bawling my eyes out after having not really felt anything for months. And then someone's like, you know, I felt the way you felt before too, you know, but I just got over it. And it's like, okay, cool. That's called spontaneous recovery. You're an anomaly. Like you are a medical marvel. Someone should study you. That's cool. That's not how my brain works. (laughs) Like I don't just get over things and I don't want to view that as a weakness anymore when that could be my strength. A depression could totally be seen as a spectrum. It's also seen as a cyclical thing because um, there used to be a disorder called SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder. It's now just considered that all depression is cyclical and some people experience it more in winter and some people experience it more in summer and it just kind of just depends on the person. Um, But there definitely is a phenomena of people getting sad when they're not exposed to vitamin D of the sun and not hanging out with their friends, but we're already not hanging out with their friends because of um, this pandemic. And that's another reason that that could sway the spectrum of depression so that everyone is going to have a little bit of it. So yeah, that was a good um, words from a hat. So I'm going to try out another segment and it'll be called secondhand therapy. So obviously not real therapy. Uh, so don't get it twisted. Uh, just uh, things that I've heard from um, my therapist I've had in the past or things that my friends have told me about their therapist or said or things online. I want to talk about, uh, not necessarily advice, but it was a question asked. So that's what therapists do usually. They don't... Sometimes people will say, oh, my therapist told me to do this or my therapist gave me advice to do that. But when you actually look at the wording, they're really careful not to do that. Um, So they'll often ask you questions open-ended and see where you um, go from there. So I was talking to a therapist in the past about um, how I was upset about a breakup and they were like, well, what did the relationship and breakup teach you about yourself? And I was just reminded of that because I saw it online. It was like um, ways to get over a breakup for a mature way to handle it. And that was definitely a really good question. And it made me kind of step back and go, oh, yeah, that's right. This is my life and I'm the one that's growing and I'm the one that I'm going to be stuck with my whole life. And like... It's not all about me, but it's all from my perspective. And so I'm the one who has to take care of me. So it's kind of important to think about instead of wallowing and how bad it felt or how or wishing you still had how good it felt. Think about how you've grown from it, what you can learn from it, what you can take from that. And that's really all you can do in life, right? Like it happened and now what? What are you going to do about it? Because what happened to you, that's just something that happened to you. But what you do about it is part of your character. It shows who you are. And it's also a skill. All of these um, things. So I'm going to... It was on psych underscore today Instagram. They, um, on um, five days ago, they posted tips for a mature breakup. Focus on your growth. 
the replace the question why did I choose that relationship with what what did I learn about myself so for me I was not replacing why did I choose that relationship um it was the only relationship I ever had and the person was kind to me and didn't really show that many red flags and it wasn't an abusive relationship so my question was like where did I go wrong and then not to get poetic and be quoting Hilary Duff but where did I go right and just asking like what what the fuck just happened <laughs> so instead of asking all those questions it's like, okay, okay what did I learn from this bring it back bring it back to what the purpose of life is like remember what you're doing here because it's like getting caught up in all these why did this happen why did that happen it's like Okay, if you had the answer to that, would that really help you? Like, uh, someone was saying, I think it was on TikTok, saying, like, closure is not really needed. And I, and I agree with that. Like, it could be helpful in some cases, but it's not needed. You don't need it. Um, the other tips for mature breakup from Psych Today are, remember that someone can be bad for you without being bad. That's always a really good distinction to make. Embracing a former partner's full and flawed humanity can help you remember your own. That could ring true for some people. That could really hit a nerve for others. Maybe they just want to only focus on their own and not even think about their former partner. Maybe they're focusing too much on how they could have flawed humanity and not giving that to themselves. So that's not really helpful to them. So, you know, that's just... I don't know if that's best for generalization. A relationship can be both valuable and non-permanent sub of that is a relationship can be something you miss and something you do not want back totally agree with both of those and those are really important to like actualize and realize for yourself and then the last one they said is you can be scared and courageous as you begin again remember courageous and being brave means that despite being scared you go on if you don't have any fears that doesn't mean you're brave it just means you you're you're lacking the amygdala function in your brain that would make you afraid fear is good it tells you when something is dangerous around you um so it's important to remember that and flip the script on that and say um i'm just was trying to protect myself i overgeneralized and decided that something was dangerous without investigating it enough I decided that the risk is smaller than I first realized and the risk had more to do with my assumptions rather than reality and I actually had some irrational beliefs that were drawing on past experiences that are no longer functioning in my reality and so I'm going to go against all these fears that I still have even though I recognize all these things consciously and mentally i still have these fears i still have these beliefs but i'm still gonna fight against that and that's bravery and courageousness when you're you're afraid but you do it anyways and that can be applied to beginning again for whatever that means for all comes back to the advice i got from the therapist i remember it wasn't advice it was a question what did you learn and that is a good question to ask about our year of 2020. That's a good question to ask about. When you look about back at your resolutions that you've made, what did you learn about goal setting? When you look at what you wanted the year to be like 
and how it ended up for your actions and how you responded to things. Because my idea of, in some ways, I really um, had breakthroughs and was really proud of myself. In some ways, I had breakdowns and was really ashamed of myself. So it's hard to say what got me to the right place and the wrong place because I felt like I was doing the same things mentally but when I look at it I was doing different things physically and I just have to time and time again it's just I keep realizing that I have to focus more on my physical health if I want to be mentally healthy part of that for me is having a routine so it's not something I have to think about and just having all the necessary materials, ingredients, whatever it is I need, like for a meal or for exercise or for doing laundry, anything. Like I need to have everything ready and have a set routine that I do without thinking about it so I can just play music and not focus on the mundaneness of it all. So thank you for listening. I'm happy to be back recording episodes. At the beginning of this episode, it was 2020. And now we are into 2021. It's January 2nd. And I'm feeling pretty optimistic. I have my plans of how I'm going to approach things. My words for this year, my word for last year was grace. And my word for this year is wholeness along with balance fulfillment and it makes me think of having a a calm center to come to and approaching things from thinking about the long term how it's going to affect me and rethinking and giving space in between when I'm lashing out or when I'm talking ill about someone or something or if I'm turning to a vice or if I'm making a big choice just to have a pause and think about my values and what makes me feel um, most alive and most myself and just honoring the the fullness of being human and maybe that's a tall order but maybe it's just enough to work so thanks for listening tune in for the next episode be well or at least try to be okay all right peace out